to the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast. I am Jason Katarski, and this is episode 45. I have a really cool guest with me uh, today. I'm really excited to share about a new game from this first-time designer. But before we get to that game and all that business, uh, we're going to get to know a guy named Ryan Cowler. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing, Jace? Hey, I'm... I'm excellent, man. I'm super excited because this is a big week for us. We got something big yeah. happening on Kickstarter in a couple days, and uh, uh, we're going for it. So uh, Ryan designed a game uh, called Jurassic Attack that uh, yeah. that my company, Green Couch Games, is going to be uh, bringing to Kickstarter on July 10th. So we'll talk about that soon, but I want to share a little bit about, about the man behind the game <laughs> that, that you're going to come to love because this is, this is a cool dude we're talking to here. Oh, geez. Stop. Oh, yeah, so... So uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit uh, about about kind of like who you are, what you do, where you're from, um, like who is Ryan Collar, you know? Oh dear, well it's such a complex question and, and answer, Jason. <laughs> I'm um, sure it is. It always well, is. Well, uh, <laughs> well, um, uh, born in England, moved to California here um, when I was just a month old. That's why no accent. I'm completely Americanized. Um, but I don't know. I've been a lifelong gamer. I've uh, dad was a, a software engineer growing up, so I was spoiled with all sorts of consoles and games. And my dad himself uh, programmed games in his spare time. So I just had this very nurturing uh, uh, childhood of, of a lot of entertainment avenues. So that kind of uh, transpired to to transferred into who I am today, which is just a gigantic kid who loves to collect uh, game consoles and pinball machines and board games, and I like to create. So it's it's one big, long journey. And and I do uh, uh, professional wrestling as well. <laughs> dude, you, you are just like the coolest dude I know right now. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie. You just said all the cool things. So like, first, let's start with the consoles, all right? So what's your favorite yeah. console for video games? So, well, there's two answers to that. There's the, I, I feel like it's a cop-out, uh, but uh, Dreamcast, everyone says they like Dreamcast, but I, I admire Dreamcast because of what it accomplished in just one year. You know, Dreamcast was only around in the in the States for pretty much one year, and in that time, they such amazing games. You got Skies of Arcadia, Twinkle Star Sprites, Cannon Spike, Shenmue, um, I mean, just uh, Jet Grind Radio, all this stuff was such a cool little system and it still holds up today a lot of the the games still hold up um so that's kind of like my in my heart that's my favorite um practically looking at it as if i could have one console with one game library ever it would probably have to be uh super nintendo just because of the the depth and the breadth of that library is so timeless and enjoyable i could get lost for years playing snes games that's awesome yeah i uh i talked about this on the show i for christmas i got a a, a retron 3 and i've been yeah. uh, i wasn't a big gamer because my brother always was a jerk and kept the <laughs> kept the game the game <laughs> systems to himself and um but i got this retron 3 so i've been like going to the used shops and picking up games and i'm finding i'm finding some nes stuff that i that i didn't play and Oh man, it's so fun! I think I saw you online. You have one of those Super Boy, like the the handheld thing that plays the the SNES cartridges. Yeah, I have too many of those. I have so many <laughs> little. I just want to play everything on on the go. So yeah, I have I have a handheld SNES system that I just kind of uh, 
play and and curse at occasionally depending on the, the role playing <laughs> game I'm playing on it at the time. Awesome. You know, it's so cool that they're like there's just something about that physical product, you know, like that that cartridge you have to blow in and oh, like, yeah. you know, like jam it in the slot two or three times to make sure that it's connected good and, and you flip it on and oh man, just like I never I, needs to update. There's no yeah. DLC. That's that's <laughs> awesome. never crashes. <laughs> and I mean that probably speaks to something about what we like, you know, like we like those tangible things. We make tabletop games, you know, so that's that's kind of exactly. a cool cool thing. Um so you said pinball too. You you, you have pinballs? Like what what's yeah. your what's your favorite pinball? Oh wow. Well, um most pinball collectors will say that there's no such thing as a bad pinball. They're all great. Um <laughs> I mean, uh, currently, uh, I I have five uh, pins, which I mean, to to most collectors is a, is a pretty small amount. To people that don't own a pinball machine, it's a ridiculous amount. So it's all <laughs> it's all in the eye of the beholder. But um, I mean, currently, my my favorite game for a while has been X Men, which which came out a about two three years ago, um, and uh, it, it's very funny. Uh, pinball is such a unique. It's why I like it. it. It's such a unique experience that really shouldn't uh, shouldn't exist anymore. It seems so. Yeah, it's like the, it's the idea of a the hard fight, right? Like, oh yeah, and it's <laughs> it just. Uh, I mean, the amount of you, you just look at it from an arcade's point of view. The fact that they're even still in arcades is amazing because they take up so much room, right? The foot space they could have filled that space with a with an arcade cab. I mean, even a Ms. Pac-Man would probably make more money uh, a year and take up less foot space than a machine. Uh, pinball machine um and add to that that most of the pinball machines are you know orders of magnitude more money to buy than an arcade cab it's just the fact that they're still around and they're still awesome and they're still fantastic to play is uh is really cool plus i also like that it's really one of the only forms of of i guess you could say video game entertainment or or video entertainment not really video but um entertainment machine that will only work on earth <laughs> you know <laughs> gravity is the is a governing force yes. so you can't you can't take a pinball machine anywhere else in the universe if we could wow. and it would never play the same than it does on earth i think that's so cool that yeah that's amazing that's really cool you know uh, uh, <laughs> aliens however many miles away they are i'm sure they have some type of form of video entertainment at some point but they'll never have a, a <laughs> pinball machine completely unique. <laughs> Right on. Well, that's cool, dude. So the the weirdest thing you said um, is that <laughs> <laughs> that you said professional wrestlers. So how does how does yeah. that happen? What is that all about? So uh, growing, I mean, I've I'm I've always kind of been at my interest of kind of been the jack of all trades. I've been a master of nothing, but I, I dabble in a little bit of everything. So along with uh, growing up, you know, loving games and, and entertainment. I mean, I'm a kid of the 80s, so what kid of the 80s didn't enjoy uh, wrestling and getting caught up with Hulk Hogan and everything else at the time? It was such a huge boom uh, during the 80s with professional wrestling that it kind of got on my radar. Um, and then I've since I've always kind of been the creative type, I also, you know, got into, the, into theater and theater arts. So... Um, you know, uh, growing up, professional wrestling, theater, video games—it's all kind of been in my in my wheelhouse. And uh, once I was old enough to get trained, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, most people grow up wanting to be a vet or or a cowboy or astronaut, whatever it is. Um, I grew up, you know, just wanting to be a, a pro wrestler in whatever facet that would be. 
Um, and I actually kind of, it's just funny that I actually got to, to be one of the things I wanted to be since I was six. So, um, I got started getting trained at about uh, 2002, 2003 and, uh, off and away I went ever since then. So, so how does it, like, who do you wrestle with? It's kind of like an independent organization that you're a part of, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, throughout, uh, aside from, you know, the, the really big televised shows like WWE, you got ring of honor and TNA and all the stuff that's on TV, Lucha underground, um, all over the States and all over the world, there's, you know, smaller independent promotions that aren't televised that are just, you know, for, for all the, the, the wrestlers that aren't on TV, that it's either just a hobby to them or they haven't gotten to that higher level yet, even though they're, they're awesome. Um, so, I mean, there's a bunch of promotions strewn about every state. Um, you know, there's not just one game in town. So, I mean, over the years I've wrestled for, you know, a couple dozen promotions throughout California. Uh, it's never been something that I've never been a big body build type. It's always been something that I knew from the beginning I wasn't going to get on TV or anything like that. It was just kind of a passion hobby for me, uh, if you would. So, um, I mean, for since, you know, 2003 to uh, to about 2008, um, I wrestled all over California, had a blast doing it. I took some time off to uh, to. Uh, go get a, a game design degree. And then after I uh, got the degree, I went back into wrestling and uh, been doing it back again ever since. I don't take as many bookings anymore. I used to wrestle in pretty much one or two shows a day uh, throughout the weekend. And nowadays, uh, you know, I'm a family man. I'm older. I got responsibilities and other stuff <laughs> to deal with. So now I just, I, I wrestle uh, pretty much once a month for, for a very, uh, really cool up-and-coming uh, uh, promotion that gets a lot of press out here in, in Oakland uh, called Hood Slam. So I, I, I wrestle there <laughs> once a month and have an absolute blast doing it. And Yeah. That's, all, that's awesome. Dude. I, lo- I love uh, – you, you remind me of myself in that, like, you get excited about things and you just get into it. Like, uh, that's rad, dude. That's exciting. <laughs> so if you could lose to any wrestler in all of history, who would that wrestler be? Oh, Dynamite Kid. I don't even so, know who that it is. <laughs> Dynamite Kid. He, he used to he used to be tag partners with British Bulldog. Oh yeah. Uh, he in the in the early '80s he he got a a really severe back injury and he's he's paralyzed from the waist down now. Um, oh, but um, but he was an incredible wrestler. I mean, wrestlers like uh, uh, I don't know Chris Benoit. I don't know if you know that's oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the name has a bad connotation now in professional wrestling. But <laughs> but I mean, he was a really good wrestler before his his mind went off the rails. Um, but he was someone who really looked up to, to Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid was a huge influence on kind of the modern, lighter, you know, uh, not heavyweight wrestlers. He was just, he was really awesome. The stuff he did in Japan, I just, I would have loved to, to work him. And I definitely would have lost. No way I would have, <laughs> I would ever go over on Dynamite Kid. He was just, he was fantastic. And a, and a, a close second to that would, would be Macho Man. Oh yeah, classic. Now you're talking my language. That's my childhood right there. I I was at WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome. No when way. When I was a kid, and I saw Hulk Hogan body slam Utter the Giant. Oh man, see, I'd say, and that that doesn't even blow my mind. It blows my mind that you got to see Ricky Steamboat and yeah, Macho. oh Ricky Steamboat. He was my he was that was full man. He, <laughs> oh gosh, he just opened the nostalgia like, <laughs> like closet or whatever that was, dude. Like he was my guy. I wore headbands around the house. Jumping off furniture all the time, trying to be Ricky the Steamboat. 
I mean, for for years that that show, I mean, that WrestleMania was over ninety three thousand people in there. That held the the stadium attendance record until I mean, a few years ago. I think George Strait or somebody in Texas. Oh come on! Got over a hundred, <laughs> got over a hundred thousand in the new stadium. Wow. Wow. And but for years that WrestleMania three man that was the that was the record and I mean the fact that you got to see Macho Man uh, and Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania three that that Intercontinental title that's still by most uh, wrestling aficionados is is still lauded as uh, the best WrestleMania match of all time. Wow! Yeah, that's sweet. Just, <laughs> and you got to see that <laughs> in person. Well, I was—I uh, kind of saw it on the big screen. Uh, I was in—I was in the nosebleeds. <laughs> nosebleeds. But uh, it, does, it still counts. I didn't care, dude. I didn't care. It was so great. Uh, awesome, dude. So let's talk a little bit more about. Let's get into game stuff because that's—that's really cool, and I want to talk about all that stuff because it's fun to talk about stuff you don't know anything about. But <laughs> we're here to talk about games, and that's what our people tune in for. So. Um, how did you – you said something about a game design degree. I know you're out in California, and you have kind of a cool game design group that you do some testing with. How did you get into designing games? And just talk a little bit about that entryway of, like, into the tabletop realm. Uh, okay. Where do I start? Um, I don't know. I've, as I said, I, I've always been a, a creative person. Even when I was a kid, I, I mean, I was maybe eight or nine, and I remember making – uh, getting graph paper and making my own dungeon like uh, modules for Dragon Quest or, or sorry Dragon Warrior at the time for NES. I just I loved making things, whether or not they became anything uh, or used or anyone noticed. I didn't care. I'm just I'm you know as I always say about myself to better for better or worse. I'm 99% creativity, 1% ambition. <laughs> so I just I just wanted to make stuff and that kind of carried through, um, you know, and then growing up in, in high school and stuff that it just uh, it's something I, I did in my spare time. I never thought of, of really pursuing anything or, or hunkering down for it. And then uh, around um, uh, probably 2006 or seven um, on a lark, my, my girl, well, then girlfriend, my, my wife uh, now, um, had me take a personality test, one of the, the Briggs Myers, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, the Briggs yeah. Myers tests. And I got a, a INTJ on, on a Briggs Myers test. And, and, and while reading it over, I was amazed at how much this was describing me to the letter. And I, I felt kind of violated because I, like this, <laughs> this stupid test I took online seems to know me better than my wife does, or I do. So, um, and at the bottom of those tests, you know, it says the fields you should go into, and and one of the things on there is it said you know game designer or of that that ilk if for whatever reason that kind of I don't know why that triggered it in me but I was it was like almost like validation like hey for what <laughs> this stupid internet thing says I should this <laughs> my personality is fit for this type of work and it's something I always wanted to do but just never uh, just had the ambition to do it so I thought you know what I'm just gonna I'm going to go for it. So um, I, I didn't I didn't go to to any fancy physical college. I went to online, Westwood Online, did uh, game design there. With It was mostly just video game stuff. Okay. Um, through that whole process, I learned that, you know, video game design is fun, but I just felt like video games are getting to the point to where they're, they're just not impressive anymore. There's no connection mm. with with the games. 
Um, and I've always been a fan of tabletop games. I mean, back then, um, you know, I got uh, one of the first, uh, you know, the, the first run of uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, yeah. And that opened up a whole bunch of possibilities to me, and I really enjoyed it. We used to play that friggin' game all the time. I, I'll still play it. I never get bored of that game. Um, but just through that process of dealing with all the video game design stuff, it occurred to me that, you know, that this quote-unquote analog game experience of board games is just so much more rewarding. Plus, I didn't have to worry about depending on on programmers or there's so many cogs in the wheel to make a video game work nowadays. Um, and I didn't have the programming prowess to do it myself. So I kind of took it upon my, you know, to, to kind of take a step back and say, you know, how can I use my, what I've learned to the best of, of my ability now? And that's when I decide, you know, what, I'm going to make a, make a tabletop game. I'll try to, to explore that realm. And, and off I went. That's awesome. That's awesome. Stayed with it. Yeah. So you, you, we, I actually got connected with you through Ryan Sanders, the uh, inquisitive meeple who does some cool game designer and publisher interviews. And he, oh, yeah. he, he said, Hey, you should check out Ryan's got some cool games. And, uh, and he told me that you were in a game design group with a couple other kind of indie uh, game designer guys, uh, Ben Haskett, who did, who did, uh, tower. Right. And, uh, and Project Dreamscape. You're right, Project D- Oh, man, that was pretty. I, 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 yeah. uh, I missed that Kickstarter by, like, a day. I was so oh, no. when I discovered that one, but <laughs> but I'm going to have to grab a copy when it comes out. And then um, also Chris Handy, who who did uh, – he's done a, he's done tons of different stuff. And most recently these these games, the Paco game um, with his, his own company that makes these these small card games that come in gum packet-sized uh, yeah. containers, right? So and you've worked with him a little bit on those, kind of helping him do some testing and everything. Um, what's what's it been like to kind of work with with uh, these guys that are just I mean this is your first game that we're doing and they're just a couple steps ahead of you but um, I don't know talk about that community experience a little bit. It's really it, it's been really um, eye opening and and nothing but big thumbs up for me. I mean I'm I'm a very uh, we're, <laughs> counterintuitive to what it may seem the fact that I wrestle and. and front of you know thousands of people in tights um i'm I'm a very i'm a very reserved i'm I'm a very introverted person um so going into a big playtest group like ben up up in Folsom, ben has you know playtesting groups every month that are you know a bunch of people meet at a round table and they all test each other's ideas I, i that's very intimidating to me i i i i get much more um I feel like I design better and, and I, I can do better work if I'm in a smaller, more intimate group. So um, Chris Handy happens to live literally the next town over from me. I mean, he's he's 20 minutes away from me. And um, when he launched a pack of game Kickstarter, I thought, wow, this is this is some really cool stuff that just what he was doing with the games and looking at the form factor of it. And I just thought it was so ingenious and neat and i look at the little you know indicator it says that he's in turlock california and i thought holy cow so i reached out to him and say hey i know you don't know me from a hole in the ground but um (laughs) you know i have kind of the you know a few little dumb games i'd love to meet and just kind of chew the fat and and share knowledge and uh, you know if you need someone to test some of your games and and give you feedback i'd be more than happy to but you know again i 
I'm a nobody, so no pressure. And, um, you know, to his credit, he came back and said, yeah, I'd love to, let's get together. So we, it was just me and Chris at first for a few months, uh, meet up at a loft that he has really cool. He has like this, this loft, uh, above a restaurant in Turlock that's just for games. So it's a, it's a all white room. It's like walking into it's space odyssey or something, oh, awesome. right? All white room with games stacked on the walls. He has, uh, components and bits and blank cards on one end of the room. He has a table in the middle. It's just, it's such a cool little, um, centrifuge for, uh, for games. And, uh, so we met there. I test some of his, some of the pack of game stuff that he's working on. Cause he's so prolific. I mean, the, he, I think a uh, pack of game Kickstarter finished with eight games being released. And that's just a fraction of what he's got going on. He, has, he must have over, probably over 50 pack of game designs wow. that he's working on at any, at any one time and in varying stages of, of completion. So there's never a, a short of, of things to work on and things to learn with him. So he, you know, he helps me with some of my designs and gives some insight and some really good feedback. And I help him with some of the other stuff and give, you know, my dumb opinion on, on his <laughs> masterful games. Um, and then Ben just lives in Sacramento, a, a about an hour away, so I really wanted to meet up with Ben as well. I figured more the merrier. You know, having a group of uh, of designers testing stuff and, and being able to think tank with them is much different than a play testing group. It's a whole different dynamic. Oh, for sure. So, and that's just, but that's what's been so enriching about it is, uh, I mean, Chris has really motivated me to make games smaller and more elegant with fewer components and, you know, trying to, to get as much game as possible out of the least amount of components you can. And it's, it's really opened my eyes and, and helped me out with a lot of my designs completely changed the way I thought about, um, game design and that. And Ben as well, Ben has really cool designs that are, it's very funny. They're filler games, but they feel heavier than filler. Mm. He's like this weird middle ground to where these are, are 30 minute games that have so much to do in them, but they're still filler games and easy to pick up. So it's been a really cool balance. I mean, I can't, uh, I cannot express enough how invaluable both of their feedback and meeting with them and the fact that they uh, allow me to, uh, to sully their presence. <laughs> me rhyming around. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that they uh, they have kind of, especially Chris has kind of moved you towards making things small because that's what we like here at 20 Minutes of Filler and, and yeah. Green Couch Games. So <laughs> let's talk about one of those small games briefly. Um, we're about out of time because we like to talk a lot, and the show is the show is <laughs> now the, the just ever known. The the joke is that it's the 20 ish minutes of filler or 30 minutes of filler, whatever it ends up being. But um, let's talk about Jurassic Attack. So um, why don't you just give us a quick quick look at what this what the heart of this game is all about so Jurassic attack it's a, a focused two-player uh, kind of face-off strategy a, a game fighting game where you you have dinosaurs uh, you you pack them up if they're the same type of dinosaur they can roll together each dinosaur has effects and abilities that that will interact with um with your opponent's dinosaurs. So um, you 
draw cards that are dinosaurs, you play them face down, and then you simultaneously reveal uh, which dinosaurs you played that round, and uh, each dinosaur has a ferocity uh, or strength uh, value, and uh, you resolve the abilities, and, and it seems very straightforward. You reveal whoever has the most ferocity wins, and you take those cards into your score pile, but um, the, the twist of the game is, is the mechanics that go into when and how you draw cards, uh, and then how the effects on the cards themselves interact with anything. So, um, and that's what I like about it. It's, it's, there's complexity in how simple it is. You can make it as strategic as you want. I mean, it's, it's easy enough to pick up to where, you know, uh, kids can play it and still enjoy the experience. Um, and they don't have to get caught up in the minutia of all the little strategic tweaks that are, are in the game, uh, that nuance that, you know, seasoned players or heavier gamers can can pick up on that can really bring the the flavor out of the strategy in the game yeah that's that's one of the things i loved about the game right away too was was like it it felt super simple almost too simple on paper and then i started playing it and i'm like oh wow like there's some really um cool interactions between these effects and there's really cool interactions and and ways that that you can catch up with um only the loser of a battle draws cards and and that's cool because sometimes you want to lose so you can get better cards. Or um, exactly, you know, they just it just there's there's some cool layers if you want to start really digging into that. But otherwise, you can just it's kind of a beer and pretzels type quick game, you know, like you just pull it out and just play it, see what happens. But you can really start to to see how it all comes together and and uh, man, and it's about freaking dinosaurs, you know. So <laughs> uh, can't go wrong. Yeah, like and the, the oh man, the uh, the art we have for this game uh, by Shaz Young is 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 just larger than life it's it's serious but it's cartoony i just i'm just loving it and uh i don't know like 15 minutes of of pure fun i played it with my with my six-year-old i played it with my wife and my gamer buddies and um it's been a fun experience and 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 all those different avenues and i'm and i know i'm the publisher so i'm supposed to say that right but like (laughs) i mean that's that's what that's what draws me to a game that's what makes me pay attention it's like who can I play this with? And like, this one is like one I can play with, with everybody, you know? So, yeah. so that's a cool thing. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Jurassic attack, right? That's, I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> about, about working on this game with you. We're going to launch this thing, hopefully on July 10th. Uh, and it's going to be a cheap game. It's 54 dino sized cards, yep. two, two decks <laughs> that are identical. They're 27 cards each. Uh, and, it's sweet. Um, so be watching for that on Kickstarter. Check out Ryan. Um, how, how can people find you, Ryan? Uh, easiest way, you can always reach out to me on, on Twitter. I'm not the best uh, Twitterer. I'm still getting used to it. Uh, <laughs> but my, my, my introverted self needs to get used to social media. So uh, try to break me of, of my introverted habits by reaching out uh, at uh, my, my Twitter handle is at the fierce punch. Oh, that's 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 a good one, man. It's a good name. And I tell you what, guys, you want to follow Ryan because he's a cool dude. He's got cool ideas, and uh, he's going to be somebody to watch. I think so. Uh, hey, one of the things we like to do, <laughs> one of the things we like to do is get a recommendation for a filler that that you like to play or that you would recommend to our listeners. What's something that you've been playing recently that you are uh, are nuts about? Uh, well, the the most recent that. Uh, impact on me was coin age um oh yeah by our by friend of the show and uh he 
does some stuff for I promise that we play people's games like who we don't know too. <laughs> By Adam McIver, he's a, uh, the illustrator for uh, for my upcoming game uh, Avalanche at Yeti Mountain by Matt Wolf, and also did uh, illustration for Scott Holmes' Best Treehouse Ever. And he's a game designer. That dude does it all too, man. I'm sick of yeah. people being so freaking talented all around me. Well, his <laughs> I mean I I got Coin Age. I mean I heard so much about it, and and it, as I'm on this quest to find small games that pack you know, big fun and, and have a lot to them. So I thought what better game than coin age, which is comes in an envelope. So, um, yeah, I tried coin age out last week and it, it was, it blew my mind. How, how awesome <laughs> that, how, how, how elegant and, but yet still, uh, uh, the choices and, and how much bang for the buck you get out of that game is, is incredible. It really, it's a really neat game. I like it. Yeah, so if you guys haven't seen Coin Age, it's a Tasty Minstrel Games. Put it out. It's a yep. credit card or a one-playing card and pocket change. It's worker placement or area, <laughs> area control uh, with with the dice or two-sided dice, which are your coins. Awesome game. It's like yeah, it's like five bucks, like Ryan said, and uh, well worth checking out. You, you yeah. take it on the go anywhere. So yeah, uh, awesome. I carry it in my wallet. <laughs> it's with my credit cards, literally with Perfect. me. Perfect. Perfect. Um. Well, thanks, Ryan, for chatting with me. It was really cool, and I'm excited to uh, see what we can do with this Jurassic Attack game. And I hope that you guys will check us out when we hit Kickstarter. You can um, find me on Twitter at Jason Kotarski or at Green Couch Games. You can go to GreenCouchGames.com to find out more about what we're doing, more info about uh, our games. And also, you can find more great podcasts like 20 Minutes of Filler at the Dice, at Dice Tower Network. Dot com. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, get out there, play some great little games.